Hey, are you with me this morning? We made it. We're here. You are the post-Easter crowd. You are super Christians. For some of you, you actually came today because you were trying to avoid the super Christians. So you didn't want to come last week. Came this week. And uh, how many of you loved Easter last week? Was that phenomenal? Um, I, I just loved it. I'm so proud of our teams, proud of uh, Leah and the worship team. You guys did phenomenal. It was incredible. Uh, loved what our kids did. I loved walking out and seeing donuts as tombs. That was fantastic. And uh, so we're going to do that every time we get donuts um, and witness to people. That's what we're going to do. Um, but I, uh, I really loved it. I th- that was a joke. You guys didn't laugh. It didn't work. It's okay. Um, but I, uh, I, I was just really impressed with our team and really thankful for the guys who make things happen. And there are some incredible people who give of their time and their heart, pray over you, believe God for you. And uh, could you just give our team leads a round of applause for what they do and who they are? It's fantastic. Uh, if you, this is the first time, this is, uh, this is us. This is C3 Fort Worth. Uh, we're a bit informal. Uh, we like to keep it like we're family. If we're having family dinner, this is how we want it to feel. And it might get a little messy every once in a while, uh, but we're going to walk out loving each other, hugging each other, slapping high fives, and celebrating what God's about to do as you walk into your week and celebrate what God has done as you walk into church on Sunday morning. Amen? And uh, so we really believe in you. We've God has the best for you. And, uh, and Easter was a sign of that. Today you showed up on what is nationally known as uh, I've Already Been There, Done That Sunday. And, uh, and people don't show up on Sunday. for if you, So if this is your first time, well done. Uh, God loves you more than everyone else. Um, <laughs> So we're glad you're here. Hey, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And we're starting a series today uh, that I'm really, really excited about. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. In fact, we actually had another series planned on, the, on, on uh, the life of Paul. Have you ever heard of Paul? He wrote most of the New Testament. And we're actually going to spend some time in Colossians, which is a book he wrote. Uh, but as I was getting ready for Easter, I thought, you know, if we're going to be talking about Jesus on Easter... And we're going to be celebrating this risen king, this risen Jesus. Then maybe, just maybe, we should know who that is and why that is and who the name of what that is. Like when we sing the song, what a powerful name it is. Do we know what that name actually means and what it carries with it? And so I just thought we should spend a few, time, a few days, a few weeks on that topic. You guys with me on that? So we're going to jump into Colossians next week. But today we're going to set it up with a really important part uh, of Jesus' uh, gospel in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to hang out there for a moment. And I'm really excited about uh, this series. So if you would, if you're there, awesome. If you're not there, get there because I'm about to start. Chapter 16 of Matthew, verse 13. Here you go. You ready? All right, okay, we got a few people who love the Bible. All right, when Jesus, everybody ready? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, I said that completely wrong. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say that I am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That's good. A couple big questions. I want to talk to you today about some really great 
questions. Some questions that maybe if we would ask, uh, we would maybe be in a better place in terms of our faith in Christ. These questions are paramount to who we are as believers, paramount to who we are as the church. And if we are not asking these questions, we tend to ask other questions, uh, then we will get sidetracked and we will get off base and we will move in directions we're never intended to. Would you pray with me as we get ready to jump in? Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you ask questions. You ask of us things. And you help us kind of find out what we believe and who we are in you. And I pray that this morning and over these next several weeks that we would truly find out who you are. And in finding out who you are, we would find out who we are. God, that we would discover the creator so we would understand who we are as creation. God, I pray that we would walk in a new level of relationship with you. God, where you speak life into our hearts, speak life into who we are, speak life into our families, speak life into our relationships. God, I pray that you would bring an incredible level of freedom into our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had to depart. I don't know if you've ever had to leave somewhere. You ever, anybody been on a plane? Anybody gone on a road trip? A few people? Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, whenever we leave our kids at home, um, not by themselves, with other people, when Mary and I are traveling, as we're getting ready to depart, as we're getting closer to the day, uh, as it starts out, we start asking the question, hey, can you, can you watch our kids? That's the big question. Can you be available on this day? Right? That's six weeks out, ten weeks out, whatever it is. Uh, can, you, can you watch our kids? As you get closer, you, the questions start getting a little more specific, right? You get a little bit more uh, detailed on what you're talking about. The questions become a bit more clear and a bit more uh, specific as to what we want to know that you know. So maybe when we're leaving, maybe a couple days out, the question would begin to be, uh, hey, so you, what time do you need to pick up my kids? What time can you be here? Hey, do you have food in your house for my children who do need to eat while we're gone? Uh, do you have enough diapers? Do you, do you have the clothes? Do you, do, you have, do you have a place for them to sleep? And we begin to ask all these questions that originally maybe even started as statements. Maybe they started as us saying what needed to happen. Well, they like mac and cheese. They don't like any meat. They just like mac and cheese. In fact, if you only had mac and cheese, we'll be fine. It's all part of a healthy diet. And maybe there's statements at the beginning, but as you get closer to the day, you begin to ask the question, and you're not really asking the question so that you would know the answer. You're asking the question because you want to know if they know the answer. Because really, at the end of the day, once I get on that plane, it does not matter that I know that they like mac and cheese. It matters that whoever is watching them knows they like mac and cheese, and they need to go to bed at this time, and they need to be up at this time, and they got to be at school at this time, and they don't really like each other because they're brothers, and that's what happens, and they'll punch each other and need to know what happens when that goes on. And so you begin to ask these questions, not necessarily so that, uh, so that I would know what needs to happen, but ask the questions so that they would know. And we find Jesus in this moment getting close to departure date. We find Jesus getting closer to the cross and the resurrection and ascension to heaven. And so Jesus, who started with statements, is getting to the point where now he's going to ask a couple questions. And the questions he's asking are actually the same questions that begin to be asked by Paul in Colossians, which we'll jump into next week. They're the same two questions. And they're great questions. 
They're incredibly important to us as believers. If we can't answer these two questions, we will be ineffective in our life in Christ and through Christ and for Christ. If we can't answer these two questions, we'll have a very difficult time being fruitful in what God's called us to do. And so Jesus is at this place of departure, and Jesus is really good at asking questions. Right? Even when the Pharisees would be thinking a negative thought, he wouldn't immediately jump in to, to denouncing them or speaking ill of them or, 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 or correcting them. He would, he would ask a question, why do you think like this? Or when the disciples didn't uh, cast out demons, Jesus would go, why do you have such little faith? He would ask these questions. It's similar to what they would call the Socratic method. Yeah, I like saying things like that. It makes me feel smart. It's made up by some guy named Socrates. And, uh, and so, I know what his name is. For those of you. So you're like, oh my God. Oh my God, he's not smart. This guy Socrates, and it's a great Greek philosopher who would, who would his, his debate form or the way he would argue a point was to ask questions. He would just continually ask questions. And he, every time you'd give an answer, he would have another question ready. And the reason for it, and the whole point of the Socratic method is to get you to a place where you reveal who you are and what you think. It's meant to actually expose where you stand. Your answer locates you. So so Jesus would ask this question hoping to get them to locate where they actually stand and what they actually believe. I don't know if you've ever been put in your place by somebody. Fellas, do not look at your wife. Anybody ever been put in your place? You've ever heard that phrase? You don't even want to raise your hand because it still hurts. There's something about other people putting you in your place that's much more painful than you putting yourself in your place. And so question format, this Socratic method, or the the way Jesus was talking, the way he was asking questions was, was so that he wouldn't be putting you in your place, but that through his relationship with you, through his dialogue with you, you would begin to find out where you stand and what you believe and what matters most to you. And so Jesus asks these questions, trying to get the disciples to locate themselves because what's about to happen in their lives, they need to know. Because Jesus is about to go. He's about to get on the plane. He's about to head out. And, and, and you need to know that, 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 that what you believe is what you believe. And so Jesus is about to go. And, and, and the reason this is so important is because the Holy Spirit's revelation is Jesus. What the Holy Spirit reveals to us is who Christ is. If we are to be like Christ, the Holy Spirit is there to make sure we are shaped and formed like Christ. And so Jesus would even say of the Holy Spirit that he would remind you of what I've said and show you who I am and bring the truth of the gospel back into your life so that the fruit is produced and the gifts are given so that you might be like Christ in the world and see Jesus on every street and every heart. And so the reason this question is so important it's because if we don't understand who Jesus is, then we begin to limit the Holy Spirit in our lives because his whole purpose, his whole desire is to elevate Christ in you that you might live in a new way, in a fresh way, and in a different way. And so Jesus asked this question. Now, I love his first question. So many times we jump to the second question. Who do you say that I am? But I think the first question is just as important. The first question is this. Who do men say that I am? I think that's an important question. Far too long, uh, we live our lives not really understanding what our, who our, uh, what our friends think of Jesus, what our city thinks of Jesus, what our culture thinks of Jesus. I don't think Jesus is doing this just to set up the next question. 
I think Jesus is asking this question because the disciples are about to be told, hey, go into all the world and disciple people and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You need to know where they stand. Because if you don't know where they stand, then you can't stand with them and bring them along on the journey. Right? We talked about this last week. Jesus came to identify with us. So salvation doesn't start on the cross. Salvation started the moment Jesus identified himself with us so that he could bring us to his father through his death and his resurrection. Identification is the beginning of salvation. For us to identify with who people are is where we begin to bring them into a place of who God's called them to be. And so Jesus is not asking this question just to kind of a throwaway question to set up for the next question. He really wants them to know, hey, who do people say that I am? It helps us stay relevant as, as the church, right? It helps us understand what, who, what is culture in this day and age, right now, not a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, five hundred years ago, even twenty years ago. Who do people say Jesus is right now? And it's interesting because most other major beliefs would not have a negative view of Jesus. They would not think he was a bad guy. They would not think he was an evil guy. They would not think he was an angry guy. They don't like that he flipped some tables. But, but they, they, they think generally that he's a good guy, but they rarely think of him as highly as they ought. And so the disciples answer him and they say, uh, John the Baptist or Elijah, uh, maybe Jeremiah. And then they went with multiple choice, all of the above, or one of the prophets. Right? I, I, I just, if it's not those three, it's one of the prophets. They just think you're one of them. And this isn't like a negative answer. This isn't like them trying to make Jesus feel less than. They're not trying to, 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 to uh, insult Jesus. They're not saying Jesus is, is not a big deal because John the Baptist and Elijah and Jeremiah and all the prophets were all a big deal. They didn't have negative views of these people. So when, when, when these guys answered the question with, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. It's not a bad thing. And I think sometimes that's what happens in culture. We don't hear negative views of Christ. And so we just think everyone believes the same thing about Christ. And so the issue with Jewish culture at the time was not that they didn't think highly of him, but they didn't think divinely of him. They, they didn't think uh, great of him. They thought good things, but not great things. And that sometimes is the difficulty as, as believers is how close those two things can get. This idea that he was a good man and a prophet and, and John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah type person that spoke the word of God and spoke on behalf of God and how close that can get to him being the divine living son of God. But that gap there, that even if it's small, is such a huge difference in who we believe Jesus is. And we can think Jesus is a good God and we think Jesus is a good person, but the truth is that, that he's much more than that. So Jesus follows up this question of, who do they say that I am? And follows it up with, who do you say that I am? And this is the most important question our generation will ever answer. Every generation has to answer this question. Every generation has to deal with this question. Who do you say Jesus is? It's a question that everyone here should answer. And sometimes what happens for us is we ask a whole bunch of different questions, Right? We ask what cause you believe in. We ask how good you've done. Where do you go to church? Who do you say Jesus is? Because that question is, is at the top of the list when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our belief, when it comes to us showing up in church on a Sunday. Who do you believe Jesus 
is, and Jesus asks this question expecting a completely different answer. He does not expect them to answer this second time with the same answer as the first. Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. He asks this question knowing that there should be a different answer because he spent a good amount of time with them. He spent some real quality time with them. And so they've been able to see him as he's healed people. He's been able to see them as he's, he's lifted people up, as he's spoken certain messages. And, and so Jesus asked this question expecting there's a different answer. And, and you can kind of see that in 1 John. And if you throw 1 John up there, we'll, we'll read this verse together. 1 John says this, because this is really an important part of uh, what God is doing in our lives. Do you have the 1 John verse back there? Guys, hello. Do you have 1 John? Are they listening to me? They're not listening to me. Let's go to 1 John. You guys ready? 1 John chapter 5. There it is. Y'all just messing with me. Wait until I have to work to look in the Bible. I don't know where 1 John is. It's a small book, man. 1 John verse 16 says, And we have come to know. Now, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just wanted to read that for you. And we have come to know, to believe the love that God has for us. I want you to hear that first phrase, and we have come to know. There's a sense of arrival here. There's a sense of process and journey here. I think sometimes we really beat ourselves up when we don't know the fullness of God's love in our life right from the jump. I think sometimes we think we need to come in and we give our life to Christ, and all of a sudden we just completely and totally get it. I think there's one thing to discover God's love. It's a whole other thing to learn it. It's a whole other thing to, to, to really begin to know God's love. If, if we just were to know all of it right from the jump, then Paul wouldn't pray a prayer that I'm praying for you that you would know and be grounded in and know the depths of God's love for you. He's praying that even though they know who Jesus is, he's praying that because it is a constant thing for us to continue, know, continue to know and learn God's love for us. And we've come to know. And so Jesus, with the disciples, asked this question, who do you say that I am? Because he's hoping and he's desiring that they've come to know through this journey of relationship and through this process that they would know who Jesus is. And they would fully live in that, be fully confident in that. And sometimes we beat ourselves up that we're in this journey of learning God's love for us, learning Christ's love for us. And yet, the disciples went through the same process. The disciples went through a process of learning more and more who Christ was, who Christ is, and what Christ wants to do in them. I think for many of us, we would go, yeah, I know God loves me. And then we begin to question, what does that actually mean? And we know it at some level, and maybe we know it at an academic level, but maybe we don't fully understand it in such a way that it changes who we are, changes the way we live. And so Jesus asked this question, who do you say that I am. And Peter jumps in, because that's just what Peter does. I'm not even sure Peter knew what he wanted to say at this moment. But Peter jumps in and answers the question. He says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. You are the Christ. Now I know for some of us, we thought that Christ was just his last name. Right? Like Brandon Cole, Jesus Christ, same thing. But Jesus Christ was not, uh, was not just a name. It was a, Christ is a title. Christ is a designation. Jesus means to save. Christ means to be anointed. In other words, Christ was anointed to save the people he came 
for. But Christ was a designation. Christ was a title given to him because he was the one that was going to fulfill the prophecy. He was the one that was coming to show up and do what people had said someone was going to do for a long time. Christ meant to be anointed, meant there was a difference about him, that he was given a particular purpose, and a purpose that only he could fulfill. So when Simon jumps in and says, you are the Christ, son of the living God, he's begun to elevate who Jesus is. He's no longer Elijah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah, all good things. They're all great. But he changes the game and pushes Jesus above all those things and says, you are the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You are son of the living God. And to say son of the living God is to say that you have a divine thing about you. You are divine. You're not just highly thought of. You are divinely thought of. And this question, who do you say Jesus is? Can we answer it that way? Do we actually look at Jesus Christ and go, you have the power, you are anointed to save me? Because this question, this is a big question. Who do you say Jesus is? Because if we're going to talk about Jesus on every street and in every heart, we need to know who Jesus is, right? He's not just a good guy. He's not just a good dude. He is the Christ, Son of the living God. Now, we're going to talk about this a bit more over the next few weeks. In fact, Paul is dealing with that very thing. The Colossians are dealing with questions of Jesus' divinity. They're dealing with questions of who Jesus is, what he came to do. And there's all these people coming into the place and saying, well, this is what he is, and this is who he is, and this is what he's done, and this is what he'll do. And they're beginning to confuse the people. And so Paul comes in and begins to reestablish Christ's sufficiency, his supremacy, his preeminence. He begins to establish Christ again. And then in Colossians 2 says, hey, and walk in that. Don't Whatever you received originally from us, walk in that. And then this incredible thing happens with Jesus and Peter. So Peter says, hey, you are, Je- you are Jesus. You are the Christ. You are son of the living God. And then Jesus moves from question format to answer format. And I love this part. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And listen to what he says. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now that verse has caused a lot of controversy over the years. A lot of different denominations built upon what their understanding of Peter is in that verse. If I were to give you my summation of it, it would simply be that that Peter was the first of many, but he was the first, and that is important. And so Jesus says to Peter, you are the rock. Now here's what's interesting to me. Jesus doesn't answer this with some kind of like, oh, you are right. I am the Christ. I am the son of the living God. That's pretty cool. You should bow down and worship me. You, you, should do a, you, should, you should write some songs right now. You should do something. You should go to church because now you know who Jesus is. No, the very first thing Jesus does with Simon is begin to establish who Simon is. See, because when we have a revelation of who Christ is, he gives us a revelation of who we are. It's why this question is so important. For us to know who we are as creation, we must know who our creator is. And if we think low of our creator, then we will begin to think lowly of ourselves. And when Peter gives a revelation of Jesus, Jesus gives a revelation of Peter. 
It's paramount and it's important that we have an understanding of who Jesus is so that we can begin to have an understanding of who we are. In fact, if you read in Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to throw that verse up there. Colossians chapter 2 says, watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. Anyone ever been a part of those arguments? Any of you like to start those arguments? I love to ask people difficult questions purely so that we can have a discussion that really leads to nowhere, but it's just fun. And that'll happen if we don't establish who we believe Jesus is. We'll begin to be dragged off into endless arguments. We'll begin to talk about questions, answer questions that nobody's asking and really are not important to our faith and our belief in Jesus. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings, but that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. Okay, there's the revelation of Christ part. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope. And yes, that is the original Greek. Actually, this is the message translation. To realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. So here's this revelation of Jesus. And look at the very next verse. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. In fact, another way you would read it, you would simply say, and you will be made complete in him. So I think one of the challenges we have as believers is that we get dragged off into all these other questions. We get dragged off into all these questions. They sound good, and they're not bad questions, and they're not, you know, they're, they're great discussions, but we never go back to, who is Jesus? Because if I discover who Jesus is, then I can begin to discover who I was created to be. And I get a glimpse of his glory, and I grab hold of his grace, and then I can go in purpose and confidence and strength in what he's called me to do. I think maybe the challenge for you today and the challenge for us today is not one of not knowing enough things or not having been to enough classes or not read enough of our Bible even. The challenge is that we've been asking the wrong question. We've been asking all these questions, and you're walking through a dark moment or a difficult moment or a moment where you need some clarity or you need some freedom, and you're asking all these other questions, and the question you need to start with and the question you need to hang out on is the question of who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Christ anointed to save? Is he the one who can come into your life and bring a freedom and a hope and a joy that you didn't know was possible? Is he that God? Is he the one who showed up and defeated death? Is he the one who can do the impossible things in you? Is he the one that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil? In fact, not only that, but he's preparing a table before your enemies because he is just that confident. Is he the one that made the waves calm? Is he the one that raised the dead to life? Is he the one that in the darkest moments he shines the brightest? Is he that one? Because if that's not the question you're answering, if you're answering some other question about what verses you've memorized, how many times you've been to church, even what cause you fight for, before you answer the question of who Christ is, then you'll find yourself worrying and wondering about your own identity. Because Jesus is meant to bring freedom into your life. Because the moment I can catch a glimpse of his glory and his power and his strength and his goodness and his love, for me, then I walk differently. And even when I'm a bit confused and I'm a bit unclear about what I'm going to do with my life, I am not unclear and I am not confused 
about who Jesus is. And that makes me confident in whatever I am walking through. See, I believe Jesus wants to bring freedom into our world, freedom into our life, hope into who we are, grace into who we are, joy into our world. But it starts with knowing who he is. And he asks the question of you. He asks the question of you not simply because he, he, he doesn't know the answer. He's not asking this question to the disciples because he's a bit insecure in who he is. Jesus is asking the question of the disciples, and he's asking the same question of you, so that you would have a revelation of who he is. And in that revelation of who he is, you would begin to have a revelation of who you are. And you'd begin to think higher of him. That's why Paul says in Colossians, think on things that are above. He doesn't necessarily want you to just think bigger. He wants you to think higher. He wants you to get a different perspective on what he's called you to do, who he's created you to be, and who he is. How do you live your life? For those of you who follow Jesus, how do you wake up every morning? Do you live your life going, Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, came to save me, set me free, bring life and life overflowing? Is that the question you answer when you wake up in the morning? I would love if you woke up every day for the next week, next month, next few months, and asked the question, who's Jesus? Who do I say that he is? Because I think in that you'll find where you are, where you stand, and then Christ will come alongside you, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you, and begin to direct you, show you, reveal to you more and more of who he is in you. And the fullness that we find in Christ will then be found in you. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Yeah, I'm going to ask it a few times. I want you to locate yourself. I want you to put yourself in your place. Who do I say he is? Are the problems I'm walking through too big for him? Are the things I'm challenged with too massive for him? Are, are, are the things I need clarity on uh, just too difficult for him to answer? Who do I say Jesus is? His prophets only speak what God gave them. Jesus, I mean, Jesus, he is, he is the word of God, living and active, ready to move in your life. The Holy Spirit will bring truth into your world if we can have a revelation of who Jesus is in us. Who do you say that he is? So my question to you, a challenge to you, is have you been asking the wrong question? Have you been struggling through the wrong discussion? Have you been taken away by endless, pointless arguments and discussions according to the traditions of men? Or are you still centered on who Jesus is? Who is he? Who do you say that he is? I believe there's going to be freedom in that. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much that there's life in you, there's hope in you. God, I pray that you would even now begin to show yourself in a new way to us. God, that we'd be bold like Peter and we'd answer the question, you're the Christ. Whatever situation I'm going through, you're the Christ. You're about to depart. You're the Christ. You're about to die. You're the Christ. Oh, you rose again. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're divine. I don't want to just think highly of you. 
I want to understand and know and have a revelation of your love and your goodness and your greatness. I want to think of the divine. I want to think about the fact that you came from heaven to earth. You showed up in my circumstance. You showed up in my sin. You showed up in my challenge. You identified with me so that you could save me, so that you could bring me into new life, into new hope, into freedom. You are not ashamed to call me sons and daughters. You're not ashamed to call me brothers and sisters. Lord, you love me. You are for me. You are for everyone in this room. And God, maybe what has caused us the most angst and the most challenge and the most stress and the most anxiety is that we've gotten off-centered. We've begun to ask questions that actually are not the most important. God, I pray that we come back to a place of asking the right question, the greatest of all questions. Who is Jesus? You're my Savior. You give me life. You give me hope. You give me peace. You give me joy. You created good works for me. You make all things possible. You made me more than an overcomer because of who Christ is. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Maybe for some of us, we need to get back to that place where we arrive, where we come to know the love of our Savior, this powerful, strong, death-defeating love. Maybe for some of us, we have been so far gone in human tradition in some kind of argument or debate, even inside our own life, inside our own head, we've had these discussions that have led to nothing, and we need to get back to this question, the centrality of our faith in who is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, who showed up for me, made a way for me, who identified with me, and has the power to defeat death, give me new life in him. So I'm asking you to come back this morning. I'm asking you to come back to a place of putting everything about your faith in the name of Jesus. Putting everything about who you are in Christ. Not letting other things steal you away from what is central to every breath you breathe and every beat of your heart and every desire you have and every vision you see every want the calling on your life who is Jesus if that's you today and you go you know what I, I, I need to I need to get back to the question that's going to bring freedom and hope I need to get back to setting my feet on the gospel the good news which is a person Jesus Christ I need to get back to answering that question and quit worrying about all these other things, but I would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I would seek first who you are. And in that, I would begin to discover more of who I am. Be made free, new hope, new life. Some of you, for the first time, are answering that question. He's divine. He's the Son of God. He came to save I need someone to save me. I can't save myself. Maybe there's some of you who've been in this game for a long time. You've walked this thing out for a while. You've gotten away from what is most central and most important to you, most important to your life, and that is who is Jesus. Today, I want you to come back. 
Let me give you an opportunity in just a moment to raise your hand. Say, yeah, that's me. I, I, I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm coming back to the centrality and the circumference of my faith. I'm coming back to not only the focus, but the fullness of my faith, and that is Jesus Christ. I gotta come back. Maybe if some of you are starting this journey, and there's gonna be enough grace for you to come to know the love of a Savior. You're going to discover it more and more as you walk this thing out, as you surrender your life to Him. If that's you today and you want to put Jesus, you want that question to be primary in your life. Oh, who's Jesus, my Savior? Who's Jesus, my Lord? Who is Jesus, my King? Who is Jesus, the Anointed One? And you want to come back to that. If that's you right now, would you just, real quickly and boldly, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else? Let me raise your hand. I would just pray with you in just a moment. That's awesome, man. That's so good. Anybody else who lives their life going, man, I, I don't know that I ever asked that question anymore. I've kind of gotten used to being a Christian. I've kind of gotten used to just doing what I do. I need to come back to who Jesus is. Anybody, you can put your hand down. Thank you, man. Anybody else? I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. We're going to stand and sing. Thank you, man. I see that. It's awesome. So good. Anybody else? I'm just going to leave this open for a moment. So important. Such a big question. So good. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. Those two young guys. He said, I want to know who Jesus is. I want to know him. God, I surrender my own opinions and thoughts. I surrender what everybody else thinks of who Jesus is. And I'm going to discover over the next few days and weeks and months of my life who you are. I'm going to come to know your love. I'm going to come to know your grace. I fully receive it. I fully accept it. That nothing can be done to take me away from the love you have for me. And I, I pray right now that every person who raised their hand, and even those who didn't, God, I pray that there would be life and hope and joy in the name of Jesus. God, that we'd find freedom, that we'd come back to the central thing about who we are. God, I pray that those two young guys would, would, would discover more of who they are called to be. Discover the completeness and the fullness of Jesus. That would walk out of here ready to go. Ready to walk into a new life in Christ. Because you paid the price in full. And now you get to walk this thing out with them. Help them discover more and more of who you are. And in so doing, more and more of who they are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand up? We're going to sing for just a moment to close out today. The name of Jesus is such a beautiful, powerful name. Amen? Let's sing this morning.